Welcome to the I'm Not a Barista podcast. We're here to talk about all things coffee, from industry careers, brewing tips, community support, and more, with some really incredible people who love coffee as much as you do. We hope their stories inspire you, because humanity runs on coffee, and together, we can empower all the people behind every cup. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to I'm Not Barista podcast. I'm your host, Mickey. And today we have a special guest. Her name is Nadia Park. She's a Korean American born and raised in California. And she discovered this special meditation process of making coffee. So pull over,、um, join us today, and we're gonna talk about her coffee journey and her unique coffee brewing events online and how she helps people through her special coffee meditation. Good morning. It's great to have you here with us. How are you today? Good, good morning. Good morning. Good, good. I have my morning cold iced coffee with me, so I'm ready for the day. <laughs> we are so happy to have you here with us today, and、uh, we want to know more about you. Let's get started. Yeah. Well, well, where to start? So yes, hi. Thank you so much for having me and for inviting me over. It's just so thrilling and exciting for me as well to share my story about coffee because I think I do have quite a different and interesting. Uh, entrance into coffee as well, so excited to share that. But yeah, I mean, I can start with like who I am, how I started coffee, and then go into my Instagram. I think that would be like the most you know, cohesive method to go、uh, explain my story. But yeah, so I am Nadia Park. I am a full Korean American, born and raised basically in California, and then I went to the University of Pennsylvania for my college. And during my college、uh, time, my family moved back to Korea. So once I had graduated, I had just well, I went back home, and that home ended up being Korea. And I was introduced to this cafe that you see me、um, film at every single day, and was mind blown by this hand drip process, this separation hand drip, where I'm actually able to separate the tannins and bad tastes, bad aftertastes, and caffeine even from coffee, from green beans, from roasted beans that already have caffeine in it. So this entire hand drip method just blew my mind as someone who had already been. Kind of in the coffee industry for a bit,、uh, and was like, I need to learn how to do this. So that's how I ended up kind of staying in Korea. Of course, I also worked a corporate job here、um, at an IT company doing marketing and, and business strategy for about two years. And then I was like, you know what? My passion is still coffee. I did my fair share of corporate job. I want to get back to and to coffee and see what I can do from there. So. That's basically my background.、Um, in terms of coffee,、uh, how I got into it,、uh, I actually don't like coffee for the taste. Well, now I do, but that wasn't why I started. I didn't start because of caffeine. I didn't start because I liked the taste of it. It was more just the meditative process. So I had visited Korea for a bit. My aunt told me, "Let's go to this one day class. A one day class kind of thing is a very common thing here in Korea, just to test like ceramics and and flower making and all these different things. And coffee was one of them. So." I went to a hand drip or pour over just with Kalita Wave、uh, class that was just one hour, me, my aunt, and my mom. And I think it was just that meditative process of just creating these concentric circles that was just so healing to me as someone who had just like been so busy studying all her life. I just kind of needed that a mindless action, and for me, that was just coffee. And after tasting the, my first batch and my second batch and my third batch. Just changing one little thing in my coffee pouring method completely changed the coffee. And with the tips that I received from the barista at the time, it got better and better. 
So I think it was just that thrill that just changing this one thing that I could control could change the coffee so much. And I think I found some kind of joy in that and healing in that. And then, of course, being able to compare Kenya, Guatemala, Brazil in one setting was just, oh, so this is what coffee tastes like. So that's kind of the introduction to my coffee tasting and, and pouring journey. So when I got back to school, I was part of a coffee club. I was doing brewing. And a lot of the times these brewing events are for study breaks. They're for students to come and relax and enjoy. And there was one time that we were in a center and I was brewing coffee. It was me and one other person just brewing coffee for a bunch of people who would come in from 3 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Anyone who wants to come can come and just drink free coffee that we were getting uh, beans from the local specialty coffee store, coffee store. And as I was making coffee and talking to these people, I realized that we were talking about things that weren't necessarily normal stressors in our life. College kids, they're talking about internships, they're talking about final exams, they're comparing themselves to others all the time. It wasn't these things that we were talking about. We were talking about philosophical ideas like, what's your thought on this kind of concept? Oh, how's your mom doing? Is she all right? We were talking about things that were outside of school, outside of the normal stress things that happen all the time. And I was like, wait, I can provide this drink as a medium for communication between two people where we can relax and actually have conversations that we normally wouldn't have elsewise. So I think it was just that moment where I was like, oh, this is something that I can provide to people. I can provide a moment of relaxation. And so that's actually how I got into coffee and realized that this is kind of what I need to do with coffee. I need to spread coffee, make an area of relaxation, a place where people can feel a little calmed down, a little different than their normal lifestyle. Uh, so that's how I actually fell in love with coffee. And then, of course, as I said, with the particular uh, hand drip that I'm doing right now, it was this moment of this is crazy. Now I can provide coffee in the day, in the night, whenever it is, because it, I can actually physically with my own hands take away a bit of the caffeine so that people who feel nauseous or have headaches or have severe heart beating with coffee can now drink my hand drip. So that entire concept was just mind-blowing to me. Uh, and that's why I continue to study it. And with the whole Instagram thing, honestly, it was just, I make hand drip every single day. I have a nice background of a cafe for now. And I have a lot of things on my mind. I have a lot of things that I you know, tell myself. And, and as someone who works and went to a good school, went to a good company, and now just jumped out and is trying to do coffee, trying to persuade myself that this is the right path, that this is what I want to do. The most important thing for me is to make sure that I am grounded and I believe in myself because no one else is going to if I can't believe in myself. So these messages that I was relaying on Instagram are basically just messages that I needed to tell myself that day that I listened to and I appreciated or I learned recently that I thought maybe, you know, other people might want to hear it. So that's kind of how the Instagram started. Uh, I didn't expect it to be so like healing and meditative for a lot of people. <laughs> But that's just kind of blended in. And I think that's just the kind of person that I am. And yeah, I just didn't want to make educational content. I never won a brewer's championship. I never did a barista championship. So there wasn't that kind of you know, visible credibility that I had. And as much as I would like to explain things, I think those are for other people. And for me, it was more of how can I emit positive energy through coffee and bring people to a place where they felt just a little bit better and more calm about themselves. Um, and also learn coffee in the process. Wow, thank you so much. Actually, I had the list of questions that I want to ask, but but you answered all the questions already. <laughs> what is so amazing that I can just learn so much about you within five minutes. 
So actually, we have some common friends, and they told me that Mickey, you have to check Nadia's account. Her Instagram is amazing. Is more like you are chatting with a friend, and well, watching her video. It's so amazing, and it's very, very different from everything else that you see coffee-related content on Instagram. So, how's your Instagram community going so far? Yeah, I mean, I actually created the separate Instagram because on my personal Instagram, I realized I was bombarding everyone with all of my coffee photos, going to this place, going to that place, making coffee, and I was like, okay, you know what? I'll create a separate account. So I only had like a hundred people, um, just like personal friends and followers, and I realized, you know what? I I make coffee, so let's try posting. Of course, it was slow at first. Uh, getting getting up to that thousand mark, I think, was the most difficult. And after that, a couple of my videos for someone who only had a couple thousand was hitting over ten k. For about a month, and I think that really helped boost it up for a bit.、Um, but yeah, no, it's really cool to see how kind people are. Like some people have already done like drawings of me. I have that particular posture that I have all the time, so I think that you know is visually something that people are like, oh, I can actually draw that out. So receiving those kinds of kind words and gifts and and people trying their best to be positive. Like I can tell from the comments that these people normally aren't people who are you know full self confidence. They they don't have. Everything you know, perfect in their life, but through these words that I'm explaining to them, they're trying their best to try to relate、uh, and comment, and, and being able to build that. And of course, I've already had customers、uh, come into the cafe、uh, saying like, "Oh, I, I've seen you on Instagram," or I go to like coffee events. They're like, "Oh, do you do Instagram?"、I'm、like, "Yeah, I mean, I'm on Instagram." <laughs> so it's pretty cool already seeing feedback from like the coffee community that they have like seen it, and then they said, "Oh, it's really interesting what you do." And you speak English, so that's cool. Well, it must be so amazing to have such a supportive and、uh, cute community of followers on Instagram. They like you so much, apparently. Is there anything particularly memorable message or DMs you received? Ooh, most memorable one. Hmm. I think it's just the the fact that, like, I was kind of down in the dumps with myself. I don't remember the particular one. I think it's going to be pretty difficult to find right now. But yeah, they were basically the gist of it was, I was really in the dumps,、uh, and I was basically giving up on myself. But after seeing your content, it kind of reminded me of what I need to do and how I need to think. And for me, as someone who had already gone through the whole low self esteem, low self confidence issue myself, and had gone through therapy, this is an open book, and I'm very open about this kind of conversation.、Um, It's very difficult to tell people to feel better about themselves in a way that doesn't make them feel bad. It's very difficult to say, "Oh, you should, you know, pick yourself up," without, you know, enforcing that on someone. Especially for people who are struggling through different issues with themselves, it's hard for other to accept anything other people say.、Um, kind of like when someone passes away, it's like you are at the loss of words, so you just say, "I'm sorry." But for me, I feel like saying "I'm sorry" is doesn't do anything, and I think that's the same with people who. Are giving up hope on their dreams, or or just you know not in a very condition bad or not in a good condition, or even just people who are mindlessly going about their day, but clearly have a potential to do more. It's very difficult to go into them and actually touch their hearts. But I think those kinds of messages are like, oh okay, so I'm relaying the message in a way that is helping, not in a way that sounds like it's nagging. So I think that was. Kind of the the key message for me saying,、oh, okay, Nadia, you're going in the right direction. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, watching your video feels like a process of meditation. It's like your energy and your talks healing people.
Do you think this is uh, because of the Draper coffee, or will you make espresso will be different? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so I do have like SDA certifications and stuff like that, so I do know how to like do basic stuff with an espresso. I mean, back in the states, I was working at a coffee shop, like I did like latte art and espresso. Um, a very controversy opinion is that I'm not a fan of latte art competitions because I think it's unfair that people judge coffee based on art. Like I can't draw for life. <laughs> So for me, I'm like, I can't do latte art competitions. So I don't like latte art competitions because why judge coffee at art? But I mean, it's also, I feel like it's very much an art competition, not as much of like a coffee taste competition, right? Which which is true. Uh, yeah. And so for me, I think I, I gear towards more of the brewer's side. But yeah, I mean, in terms of coffee, if I do espresso, it's a lot more loud, I guess. This that would be the nature of it. It's just hand drip. I do this for about eight minutes. And in eight minutes, I can talk about two different topics and just chat with you. Whereas an espresso is I kind of have to turn my back to you and make this coffee. And and yes, it would be exciting. And I'd love to be able to present that and like share the journey as someone who it seems like a professional in coffee, but actually can't even do a rosetta properly. <laughs> I think that would be very interesting for people to see like that contrast of, oh, coffee pouring even, coffee making is so different. Like just because you're a barista does not mean you can do everything. I know, right? I'm not a barista. Okay, so... I want to ask you, what is your um, typical work day like? Yeah, so I actually, uh, my coffee isn't like my only main job. I do a couple other things on the side. But yeah, with, in terms of coffee, if I go to the cafe, um, yeah, I mean, uh, though all the coffee that I make myself is, is roasting. So I'm basically not necessarily like a server. I'm basically the CMO of this company. So all the coffee that I'm making are beans that I've roasted myself. Um, that I, you know, after three to seven days, I roast myself. And yeah, I think it's just that moment where I decide, okay, so I roasted a batch of beans. And this one, I think I, I tried in this method. And then this one, I tried in another method, I tried tweaking things a little bit in terms of the heat. Um, and test, taste testing those and figuring out differences and trying to figure out what's better for this particular coffee. And eventually, if that particular coffee... Right now, I'm working on a beans that we don't even sell at the cafe. But if there are certain beans that we I try and we enjoy, then we will try to bring, in, bring them in, in in bigger batches in the future. So that's what I mainly do. And I also, you know, I work on our YouTube. So we have a separate like Pona Bono uh, channel on YouTube. I have my own. So I work on those as well, just editing uh, homepage. I work on also the outsource, out out. Uh, what's the word? Like, I only know this word in Korean. It's called dapu. <laughs> um, sending beans off to different customers. We worked with a couple influencers. There's one person who is a mocha pot fanatic and just came to our cafe one time. And he's like, I'm a corporate worker down the street, but I love your coffee and I do things on mocha pot. I'm about five thousand subscribers. What can we do together? He's like, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder what our coffee tastes with like mocha. Like, I don't think we've ever properly tried it before. So we did. A collaboration with him so working on these kind of different marketing materials or instagram or youtube things like that or homepage. that's the kind of stuff that i'm working on so i kind of use the space the cafe as like my workspace um, and then we also have a couple you know regular customers that come in and so when they come in it's like family basically uh, i think this cafe in particular because it has such a unique hand drip and we also serve geisha coffee um via dutch coffee in the same kind of concept and method as our hand drip There are a lot of people who will come just for that coffee and have been coming every single day for the past five years since I have known this this place. So, so you're a very busy person, work at a very busy cafe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell us 
If you have to pick one, one thing that you enjoy the most, what is it? I think it's when the people come in. I two things actually. One is uh, the people, and one is with the taste testing. So uh, let's start with the coffee first. With the coffee, when I do taste testing, I have a horrible sense of smell. So all of my coffee and aroma said very with people, all the baristas, we like to say, "Oh, this tastes like oranges, and this tastes like blueberries, and whatnot." Yeah, but. I actually, when something was burning in the house, my mom would always be like, "Can you not smell the burning right now? Like it is burning. Can't you? Can you turn it off?" I'm like I didn't smell anything. Um, so I have to like, actively pay attention to what I'm smelling to be able to smell it. So, in order for me to develop this this smelling, the the flavor notes and all of this aroma, I I had to train myself. And um, and it's something that I tell people like, you aren't going to be able to taste oranges if you don't taste oranges. Like start off with juice. Think it's sweet? Do you think it's more acidic? And from there, is it like is it a honey sweet or is it a chocolate sweet or is it fruit sweet? So, and then that's kind of how I trained myself to to get into that. So, I think because I trained myself so much in thinking that way, whenever I do do taste testing, I think of images. So, I don't know if you've seen a couple of my、uh, bean describing describing videos before. There's one on Kenya AA Top Rukira Gold and one on Chinga Queen. So, these are both Kenya. And I like to create stories on them. So whenever I taste coffee, it's not oh I taste lime, I taste pine nuts. It's oh my gosh, wait! I feel like I see a thirty-year-old woman knitting in her cottage home, but she's not lonely. She's very excited for her friends to come over, and that thing that she's knitting is a huge scarf. But she's so peaceful with herself. It's not raining outside, but it's like not too. It's not in the middle of nowhere. But she's excited for her friends to come over, and she's sipping on tea. So that is the image that I get right now with this particular roast of the Costa Rica West Valley that I just brewed or that I roasted. So that's kind of the my own, I guess, images that I create to to relate to coffee. And I feel like, in that sense, like people are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, how am I supposed to understand what that like tastes like? <laughs> But these images are are immediate to me, and and I think that's really it, it's very fun for me to do on my own. So that's one thing that I like to do, and of course, it's the it's the people that come in. There are some people who come from abroad、uh, or from Korea who completely fall in love with our coffee, or just are just coffee fanatics and want to learn more. Like I can tell from the language that they have or surrounding coffee or their previous experience how much they are into coffee and how much they want to learn coffee, and being able to talk to them about their previous experiences with coffee and. Associate it with my coffee and tell them like, hey, I had to leave America and not go back because of this coffee. Like this is coffee. This coffee is the reason why I'm staying in Korea because I need to see this to its maximum potential before I leave. And so being able to relay that message to these people, like, oh, so this coffee is special. What makes it so special? And being able to have that conversation、um, is really interesting. People from, I guess, the most recently Saudi Arabia, a couple customers had come to Korea for about two years and. They're both working、um, in the Silicon Valley of Korea, Silicon Geo Techno Valley, and they came to the cafe and was like, "Oh, I just want to buy beans." And I was like, "Oh, okay, sure, sure, but I'm making hand drip right now. You want to sit down and wait for me?" So I had this little chat with them, gave them a coffee, and they were completely mind blown. They're like, "Have you had Arabian coffee? I will bring you Arabian coffee." So next time they came, they brought like a full on kettle. They brought like five packs of dates. They brought the sesame paste that they have to dip in the dates in, and they were like, "With this Arabian coffee, you have." To have it three times, so they bought their little little cups from home, 
And then we kept break in the cafe. He was like, here is your cup. Here is my cup. You have to have three cups. And it's like 9 p.m. And I usually don't have caffeine, but this has a lot of caffeine in it. Uh, dipping dates. And they were like, oh, we also have pave chocolate here. Take that. We also have macarons. Take that. So just this gift giving that I was able to receive from that little hand of taste that I was able to provide them, these kinds of experiences that I don't even realize that I'm I'm touching these these moments of heart to heart that I get to have with people that I don't even realize is that much of a big deal to me because I see this every day and I deal with it every day. But being able to receive that and see that love in people's eyes, just being able to provide like, hey, you are such a great barista for, for us, giving us this amazing coffee. I want to give back to you. And so being able to receive these gifts are the, the endless surprises that I receive at the cafe. What a story. Coffee is amazing and coffee brings people together. When when you're traveling in a new country and the, when you visit some coffee shops, you talk to baristas and you sometimes you、mm-hmm. can become friends instantly. And that is something truly amazing about the coffee and the coffee community. I guess that's, what, that's the reason why so many people, baristas,、mm-hmm. roasters, and they have been in the coffee world for more than 10 years or 20 years and never leave. And I think that's the magical part about coffee and the things beyond coffee. And, and I have to say that you are a true artist. And everything you do on social media, the information you're sharing, The talks you have with your audience, that is a real artist thing. So, thank you for that. Let's explore more the artistic side of you and your magical storytelling power. How would you describe a coffee flavor or a coffee note to someone who have never experienced those in their real life? Yeah, so I mean, one of the most the clear examples is it's really important, I think, to discover the kinds of foods. That the other person is very familiar with. For example, like when I think sweet,、um, maybe it's like an American thing, but for me, sweet means chocolate.、Uh, whatever sweetness I taste in coffee, when I say, oh, this is super sweet, it means I taste lots of notes of chocolate. There are other people in different cultures that when they say it tastes sweet, they're thinking of fruit sweet or they're thinking of honey sweet. So it really depends on when we're talking about, like, oh, there's high levels of sweetness. What level of sweetness is that? So because I think it's difficult to talk about that, Um, we, I always go back to these images, and particularly in the Asian countries, sweet potato is a very common food. And so, in my Kenya AA Rukira Gold, one of the biggest things is、uh, I like to describe the coffee as you're a little kid at a campfire,、uh, your entire family is there with you, but you've already finished with your entire meal. You're just sitting by the fire because you know you have your sweet potato waiting for you, the last grilling sweet potato. And you're the only one staring at the fire, waiting for that to be cooked. And the entire family is in the back, and you can hear their voices, whatnot. But you're sitting there, blanket wrapped around you, waiting for that sweet potato because you know how good it's going to taste. And when it's finally done, you, you are the one that has to you know, take it out of the charcoal. You take it out and you wait for it to cool down. You're super excited. You can't you know, wait for it. So you kind of peel it open. And as you're eating one, Uh, you wait for the others. And as you peel the other ones after you've you know, munched on the current one that you're already eating, you see this kind of layer of honey. So, sweet potatoes, after you grill them, have like little bits of honey that come out of the surface of the skin. And it's that honey that you're so curious about. Like, what is this? Is this water? Is this honey? You don't know. So, you taste it as like a little kid, and it's super sweet. That honey 
is the taste that you get in the sweetness of this cookie. So being able to describe, I guess, that honey, yeah. That <laughs> That's like magic. How yeah. could you do that? <laughs> this is mind-blowing. Yeah. So I think it's just, yeah. So describing to people like, oh, it's like that, that honey that you taste after, you know, you grilled your sweet potatoes. Everyone, I think, has been keen to that kind of cup of like oh i have no idea but that sounds great like i know what sweet potato tastes like and i know the sweetness of a sweet potato so i'm gonna try that and people come back and say like i really tasted sweet potato this is amazing well that's that's unbelievable um, when you talk about the sweet potato uh, the sweetness i can't really relate anyway i want to talk about um since you have a very special background you're korean american and you used to stay in the u.s now you're in korea you know both cultures but, you know, coffee world is pretty much dominated by the English-speaking people, let's say. There are a huge, a few very, very important people in this world speaking English from the UK, from the US. Whatever they say become the next trend most of the time. Where do you think this will lead to the rest of the countries who don't speak English? Let's say we have a lot of uh, coffee people in Korea who don't speak English. They only speak Korean. Um, we have people in Colombia speak Spanish only. So what do you think the coffee world is like, in your opinion, should be? Or what is the perfect? Is there any perfect balance? Or, yeah, what is your opinion about this? Yeah, so I think for sure I do agree that, like, everything America does, people in the world follow. And being, you know, being in that culture and then coming out and seeing that, I can totally see how everyone's following that trend, whether they are conscious of it or not. Most of the time, I don't think they realize, that, like, oh, this is the trend that America's doing, so we need to follow it. It's just like... America sets the standard and everyone's like, that is what good coffee is. So we need to follow that. So that's kind of, I think, unconsciously people are going towards that. And, but the thing is, I don't think it's necessarily just because they, they speak English and like the Korean people don't know that. Like it's such a global and widely available world now where just because you speak one language, people in other places won't be able to accept that. And I think just by America having its place in the world and already developing so many standards of coffee through, of course, like the SDA, for example, People will just follow that naturally, whether they're from countries that don't speak it as much. Um, and so, and even if they don't speak primarily English in that country, there will still be people who speak English in those countries. Like, especially in Korea too, like there are people who speak English very well. There are people who think that that is better. And so they will follow what is better. And everyone in Korea, especially like, everyone in America is seen as just like better than Korea, whether they acknowledge it or not. Uh, and so the people who, you know, take the lead here in Korea as well, people who don't speak the language very much as well, will follow that. There are also going to be uh, coffee shops that don't follow that, like myself, for example, right? Just because America is doing its thing. It's great to be mindful of that because we need to still have conversations around this type of trend, this trend of, of you know, particular coffee roasting, particular, you know, the industry. Um, but just being knowledgeable about that and just making sure that we are following the traditions that we want within ourselves and not like traditional like methods but just our own culture our own tradition is very um is important but i think the the necessary thing for coffee shops who are, don't want to participate in this particular trend that the coffee is going really need to have a clear message and idea of what they want to present um, whatever whether it's a product whether it's a type of brewing whether it's a type of roasting they need to have a clear image of what they want and why they think it's important or else they're also going to be swept away by the trends. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
I want to know, is there any special flavor that you've tried in Korea that you don't find anywhere else? Flavor? Uh, when, you think, when you say flavor, I think just immediate thinking of the Korean flavors of, of Starbucks. <laughs> but other than... <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, I think in terms of, like, there are a couple latte differences. Um, you know, I think in the States, for example, like lavender lattes are a huge thing, right? Cinnamon lattes are a huge thing, but they don't really have any lavender lattes here. It's pretty hard to find, actually. Um, and they're more on the, the grains of coffee. I don't know. It's like five grains. I think it's what it's called in English. Um, making a latte out of that is a very big common drink here. So it's more of using the, the grain ingredients in Korea. I think there are a lot of tea-based as well. Um, like omija, I think, is one kind of tea. But so these are different beverages, I think, are that are more common from like the historical tea culture or like the, the healthy drink culture of Korea that kind of blended into coffee. Right. Culture difference, right? So tell us more about the coffee community in Korea. And if you have to compare with the U.S., um, what is the main difference? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've actually heard, uh, I mean, I think the States is so big that it's hard to describe the community as one particular you know, style. But I do hear a lot of people talking about toxic toxicity in America, about how like they had to leave the coffee culture, the coffee industry, because they couldn't deal with the toxic culture of it anymore. I actually wrote a paper on coffee snobs back in college as well, because I was like, why do coffee snobs exist? And why do they have to enforce their beliefs onto us? Why is this a phenomenon? Um, so I actually did my own research on that and find, found out that different cultures and different um, regions have been different versions of coffee snobs. But um, I think the specialty coffee shops in the States was kind of a place where if you go to a specialty coffee shop, it is the high end. You are rich. You are, you know, everyone who goes to these places were, are going to have strong opinions. And I don't think that is as, as true here. People are like, oh, I, I don't really know the taste of coffee, but they're not like, oh, you're better than me. So they don't have that kind of differentiation, I think, in Korea as much. And someone that I talked to recently told me that in the States versus in Korea, the States has really, really high, like they're already like specialty coffee who do, did a lot of research, but they're also very like independent coffee shops that kind of just sell coffee like it's the 1980s. Um, so they kind of stick with that. So it's hard to find like, but in Korea, all the different coffee shops that you go to are so, I guess, cap, like capital, capital, cap, what's the word? I can't think of the word in English again. It's already, the, there are big companies that have taken the market of very, very cheap coffee, but there's also a big market already of people who have found out specialty coffee. So no matter where you go, you aren't going to taste trash coffee, for lack of better terms. Like everywhere is very decently well done. And I think that's just the nature of Korea is there aren't as much diversity. There isn't that much diversity in the culture itself. So Everyone is doing specialty coffee, so everyone needs to do specialty coffee. Everyone is doing cafe, pretty Instagram cafes. We all got to do that as well. So everyone has a base standard of what they need to have. And so when you go to cafes in Korea, it's hard to find something that tastes really, really bad because you're just going to get like that mediocre coffee no matter where you go. And I think that's just a natural culture just because we else were more, it was Korean versus in the States. There are lots of different cultures and different backgrounds. And yeah, so I think those are the biggest differences that i found right right we, we, we know much about uh, the the fast-growing coffee community in korea 
the market is growing fast and people are really into uh, high quality coffee. So as a coffee professional, let's say if you visit one of the coffee shops that are supposed to be good, but it's not that good, what would you do? What would you uh, I probably just wouldn't finish it and leave. <laughs> Usually when I when I take something that's bad, I kind of watch the barista before I even get the coffee. I'm like, what are they doing? How are they brewing? Oh, dear. That's what they're doing. And I kind of like expect the taste of the coffee already. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time, I'm just like, oh, OK, well, let's see if the beans taste any good. So if the coffee tastes bad, then I'm like, OK, how do the beans taste at least and see if is it the brewer's fault or is it the roasting's fault or is it the the type of roasting level that it's done in slash brewing together that is is creating this kind of result. So I like to kind of also take that as a moment to, you know, as what not to do when I brew coffee as well. Um, but yeah, most of the time I don't tell anyone, I don't tell the barista, I'm just like, okay, well, I'm not recommending this to anyone. Maybe their other coffees are better, but this one was not that great. So just, I can't, I can't finish it. Wow. When I go to good different coffee shops, when I found the coffee, uh, not so good or as good as I expected. I, I would normally go back to the barista and ask how the, the um, how how the coffee was made, and uh, you know try to understand the process. And of course, that there's always a great opportunity to talk to the barista and get to know the coffee mm-hmm. shop, etc. And actually, most of the time that I found barista very very friendly. And many of them mm-hmm. are very open-hearted. They want to talk to you. They want to share uh, everything they know about coffee. And and sometimes you just make <laughs> friends like that easily. Uh, that's why I love I love coffee mm. people. They are pure, friendly, mm. and it's just so amazing to talk to baristas. And they really encourage people to talk to their mm. local baristas. And you know, pick a topic when they are not so busy. Yeah, I think they're always willing to uh, talk to you. I think it also depends on what kind of cafe you go to, though. Exactly. If you go to Starbucks, probably they don't care. Mm -hmm. They don't have the time to care. They don't care. (laughs) Sorry, I really want to talk to you, but, you know, I have like a 25 espresso to make. (laughs) So have you experienced the customer came to you and complained about the coffee? They don't taste good? Oh, and it's happened before, too. Yeah, yeah. People have have said. Um, so, what would you normally do? Um, I like to first explain. Oh, you are completely right. Like whatever you taste, whatever you smell is what you smell and what you taste. So, whatever I'm providing, these are purely just my personal thoughts and opinions of this. Whatever you see on like a package or whatever is not the full story. Like these are just what the general, you know, people who tasted this coffee kind of taste from this coffee. But yeah, like you're totally fine. Whatever you had today for lunch, for breakfast last night will also change your taste buds, and that might also affect the way that you're drinking your coffee. This particular coffee might also not be your taste. So there are uh, so many different kinds of coffees that will provide different you know, aromas and flavors in coffee, but this one might not be your style. So I kind of like to talk them through like, oh, okay, so what is it about this is that you don't, you know, you can't taste, or what is it about it that you can't, uh, that you don't like? And being able to grasp onto those and 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 understand like, oh, this person actually prefers this kind of coffee or this person um, has been brewing coffee in this particular way. So they're used to feeling those kinds of flavors as the good flavors. And this is different. So I think it's just a matter of addressing the fact that like, oh, that's totally valid that you can feel that way. This is the way that we make coffee. And these are like opinions that I've created. But if you don't like it, then that is how you don't like it. Um, If you think it's too bland, then I can 
add more coffee to your coffee. So because I make coffee in an extraction, a lot of times people like to say that it's too light or it's too dark, for example. So in that sense, we'll add more water or we'll add more coffee. And that in itself will change the aromas and flavors of the coffee pretty drastically. And a lot of people are like, oh, okay, now I feel like this is a Yeah, that's the extent of feedback that I really provide. Yeah. I guess if you work as a barista or in a coffee industry, you will understand how hard it is to handle a customer like me. I'm not a barista. <laughs> and now I'm checking your Instagram and I see you have a wide range of topics. You talk about coffee, you talk about fear of failure, go crazy, and compare yourself with others, personalities. I want to ask, how do you run your social media? Do you have a specific media plan so that you know what to talk every day? Honestly, they're just from conversations that happen that day. So I think I, you know, whatever conversation that was interesting to me, I'm like, oh, that was a really cool conversation. Maybe I'll, I'll remember that and talk about it and, and see my opinion of it. There's someone that I met that was really, you know, depressed because of They were so focused on just making money for their their shop. They were just so focused on making, proving to others that they could make it by opening up this this shop. And because they weren't making the revenue that they thought they would in the beginning, three months in, they're already like, "Oh, I don't know if I can continue this." So it's kind of seeing these kind of experiences of people that I know in my day to life, day to day life. Also, the books that I read, the audios that I listen to, like podcasts, for example.、Um, I will just pick. Those good messages and save them just on notes on on my phone. And in terms of scripts and what I say on camera, I don't script anything. I just kind of have the title and I just talk. And with editing skills, I'm able to you know take out my ums and whatevers. But yeah, so I actually don't really have a script. I just say okay. So if we're talking about, for example, the personality test, my opinion of personality test is clear. Um, I know that a lot of Koreans like to ask, "What is your MBTI?" Like on the first meeting of someone, like it's like, "What is your name?" Almost.、Um, but there are also people who are very, very. They hate people asking that. They're like, "Why are you judging me on a personality test? Like, I don't. Why are you judging me on an MBTI?" And I also feel like those kinds of strong reactions aren't necessary. Like, there people are asking because they're just, you know curious about like how to socialize with you. But there are also people. Who rely on it too much? So, just I, I've had an opinion about it already, and it's just something that someone asked me that day, and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Like I haven't talked about it. Yeah, maybe I should talk about that as well, and 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 talk about how it's also helped me in my life, and see how we can, you know, just take the good stuff out of it and apply it to our lives. So, yeah, you are good at multitasking. I can only imagine if I were you, I would totally mess everything up. I I will、um, forgot the timing, forgot the the water temperature. We we do every day. You must have a、uh, muscle memory for pouring coffee. But have you ever like forget about things? Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, it's happened. It's happened. Yeah.、Um, it's been. It's become such a habit, though. The brewing. Like I know what I'm looking for. I know what I have to do to my coffee. So if I do like lose the timing, for example, if I'm so excited about talking about this particular topic, I'm like, oh shoot, I forgot to like pour. Like it's already like sinking down a little bit. I'm like,、oh. um, but I try to recover from the next steps. And so there are times where I do like full like two, three pulses of pours where I don't talk at all because I'm trying to recover from like me talking way too much.、Um, and then yeah, but I think it's just the natural process of this handwritten method that it's 
it's like at least six minutes to eight minutes long. So during that time, I get to come back to it and, and fix my problems if I do end up talking a little bit too much. But I try to talk in the areas where um, I allow myself more time during between brews. So that's how I kind of manage it. I guess you don't follow any specific complicated recipes, right? Because they're hard to follow. But I, I guess you must have one recipe or a way to brew coffee, right? Yeah. So yeah, I don't use a recipe at all. The only recipe that I would say I use is the fact that I use around 80 to 100 grams of coffee per pour. Um, the water is up to boiling and I'll take it off of boil, put it in my kettle and just use that. Depending on the roast level, depending on the day, for example, if I want a little bit more acidity, if I want if the coffee was a little over roasted, then I'll you know decrease the temperature a little bit. For example, I'll I'll adjust that. So the only adjustment I'll do for the the kettle itself is I'll you know pour out some of the water in a different cup and put it back in because that will decrease the temperature. Or in the middle of my brew, because it's so long, the water will cool down, especially in the winter. Then I will put like a linen cloth on the bottom of my kettle. I will add water in between after you know it's halfway done. So that's how I adjust the water temperature. In terms of the recipe itself. Um, uh, yeah, I, I've been getting so many questions about my recipe, but I don't use a scale at all. The only the moment where I weigh anything is the coffee, which is 80 to 100 grams, which I don't even weigh anymore. I just kind of eyeball it with the with the cups that we use. And I kind of measured it yesterday because so many people have asked about it. So I will be posting a video about me actually measuring my coffee to prove that I use 80 to 100 grams of coffee <laughs> soon. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also in terms of the pouring, it's kind of, it's a generally, if you start from the center, you go outward, concentric circle, come back in to the center stop. So it's like two circles out or three circles out, depending on how much I need to expand it and then come back in. So that pattern is always the same, but I think that's pretty much the same with all the brewing methods out there. It's kind of like go out, come back in, same thing, make sure the water doesn't sink down um, and pour as soon as it you know reaches its peak before it kind of starts to you know the water starts to drip down so those are the only really things that i um look out for the different beans will hold water in different ways so how much water it will consume um and depending on that it's a matter of how fast do i pour in the water and how often do i pour it where do i pour it do i pour a little bit more outwards or do i keep it in the center and try to like you know raise the coffee up a bit more so those are the only things that I'm looking at. But yeah, it's a huge conversation with coffee itself. Like I'm just looking at the coffee, looking at how it's dancing, seeing areas where it needs a little more water and adding water in that way. But yeah, I mean, this entire process though, I've, we've actually sent to a research facility to test how much caffeine is in a cup. And Korea standards of decaffeine and America standards are a little bit different, but in terms of the Korea standards, it actually fits in the decaffeine category. So already done all of that testing as well. I think you're a person knowing a lot of stuff that's um, so so that you can have um, very different topics to talk about during your brew. And it's fascinating to know that how how could you know so many things like the personalities, mm. tests, etc. Mm-hmm. And I I want to ask you what kind of person are you in real life and what do you do to have fun? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I always liked reading. So, I mean, I like, I get a lot of inspiration from that. Uh, recently, I've been doing, I, I guess I think I had a moment where I was like reading self-development books, personal development. So all of that knowledge also really helps today. And just like scrolling through Instagram, there's a lot of like, you know, encouraging success words. And I'm like, oh, this is an interesting topic. Let's see what I think about it and how I can twist it in my own words to explain it to people. So, 
just my day-to-day consumption all turns into content somehow. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've always liked doing a bunch of things. <laughs> I don't stay still. Like I move around a lot. I, for example, my hobbies, I guess, um, I like to work out. Like I did tennis in high school. Um, but that was also because I w- am openly an otaku and I like to, I watched anime and manga. So the Prince of Tennis manga came into my tennis. So I ended up doing tennis. I also do figure skating now. I do spinning. Uh, so I actually have like a certific- certification for spinning. Um, and languages. Language is a big thing for me as well. I think that's the starting point of everything. I lived in Japan when I was in fourth grade in Nagoya for a year. And so ever since coming back, I studied Japanese. And for the longest time, I was actually more comfortable in Japanese than I was in Korean. Uh, and went out to like speech contests and things like that. And I was like, okay, well, I like my manga and anime, so maybe, maybe I can translate. So I did some translations um, as well in high school just for fun um of both anime and manga whether the manga was legal or not i'm not sure now (laughs) but i did it just to to provide for the internet because i knew like this oh this is only content that's available in japanese you may put that into english for everyone else to to read um so yeah i did i did that and then in college i did poetry translation so i did translation from korean to english just because i felt like that was where you know i felt most comfortable with the nuances of the word and I could also have conversations with my family and my parents about particular poets and, and poetry that they had read growing up as well. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I did in terms of languages and, of course, French as well, because that was my my minor. So I went to France as well and tried the coffee culture there, but uh, haven't found a very, very great specialty coffee shops yet in France. Would love to know if there's any more these days. <laughs> but, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing um, the real you. In real life, I I want to say I want to be a friend. Can I be friends? All right. So you could do so many things, and it seems there uh, mm-hmm. the sky is only the limit. And I want to know what is your future plan, or do you have any specific plan that you want to share with us? So, like I said, I'm not going back to the states because of this coffee. <laughs> My dream in coffee was overtly changing the coffee culture. It's Mm-hmm. Yeah, one person really can't change the coffee culture drastically. Right. But for me, it was, I guess, stemming from my desire to make coffee a place of relaxation and not always about recipes and what's right and what's wrong. I wanted to provide a coffee culture in which we could appreciate more the different flavors that every individual is tasting. We could also introduce different methods, like just because you have a recipe, like you don't need a recipe for coffee. It's not necessarily to, you know, like just because you have this barista champion or brewish championship recipe in your hands, you don't use the same beans. You don't have the same environment. You don't use the same water. Every single little tiny variable is going to be different. Yeah. So it, it's almost essentially impossible for you to replicate that exact same coffee that that brewer's championship, yes. uh, that brewer's champion created at that stage. It's not going to be the same. So I think I want to continuously relay that message. Like, yes, it's great to be able to strive for better, but honestly, then what is better, right? What is yeah. great? So this kind of coffee culture is something that I want to, you know, spread. And of course, because I speak these languages, I want to be able to, of course, set up a ca- cafe of my own here in Korea, in the States, Japan, and France eventually, just because I'm like, I can speak the languages. I'd like to, you know, expand this as much as possible. And I feel like, you know, just setting up a cafe is, is too little for me. <laughs> I need to do more than that. So eventually, I want to engage myself in the supply chain as well, investing in different uh, farms as well. Uh, a lot of farmers and 
farms in different countries, of course, it depends on where you are. They don't get to drink the same Americano that we drink every day. Like they don't have an espresso machine that complicated. They don't have a roaster that complicated. They don't have any of these, you know, materials. Like there are some places that still will use like a motor and pestle to try their coffee and you know, taste it. Yeah. And I, one of my, my teacher went to Kenya before he took a little mini roaster. He took all of this, his hand drip, took grinders and everything to Kenya when he went to heart to, for the harvest. And he made his own hand drip for the farmers there. And he brought back all these different gifts from these people. They would like and all these stories of engaging with the people, the farmers there, because they were so mind blown that this is the coffee that they're producing. And as much as we love to drink our coffee, a lot of these people have never had, you know, the, the best version of their coffee. So being able to provide that to these people is eventually, I guess, my humanitarian dream of mine. Um, but yeah. So that is, that is those, those are the coffee goals. <laughs> <laughs> those information, all the messages, they are super important. And we need to hear them more often and respect that. Uh, I think that's also what Amnabris is trying to do to deliver a message that coffee is not just a drink. It's not just about the recipe or the gears. And we should pay mm -hmm. more attention to the people behind the coffee. And Nadia, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing so much. Um, And we really hope that more people will join you and work together with you and make things happen. I hope one day I can meet you in Korea and try your coffee and have a real conversation like this. Oh, thank you so much again. Yeah. Yes, of course, of course. Come to Korea. <laughs> Come to Korea, I'll brew you a cup. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this I'm Not a Barista episode. Subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at I Am Not a Barista for more empowering vibes and true coffee stories that connect you with coffee lovers around the world. You're a part of our global community where we celebrate baristas and their craft in everything that we do. Mm -hmm.